in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I'm John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We're here to bring you another week of movie discussion. And, uh,. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we're doing we're doing uh, top ten films about British royalty, Matt. So I feel like we should be doing it with an accent the whole time. What do you, is that going too far? Doing the British accent for two for an hour and a half or ninety minutes is that too far for us? Go ahead, start us off. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm not doing it. We're both not gonna do it. I I just somebody's got to start. That's the thing. Hip hip and cheerio and all of that. So there it is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, this is that. one of our live shows, Matt, that we do for our $10 and above fans. Uh, you guys who are not $10 and above or who don't join us live, uh, you, uh, are hearing this on a Tuesday morning or to whenever you're waking up to hear us on the top 10. But thank you to everyone who's joining us live right now who are $10 and above, uh, um, uh, patrons of the top 10. They get a link ahead of time and come and hang out with us as we record this. So they get to hear it raw. We rarely edit, but every once in a while we might edit, and so you'll get to hear us raw before we edit. If you're a ten dollar and above patron, for sure. Just want to do that yeah, plug. I, I think we've only edited like twice ever. That's insane. Yeah, I know once. I can remember one specifically, and in my head yeah. is like, "Well, there's got to be another one," but I can only remember one specific mm-hmm. time we had to edit. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. We both just went off into this racist tirade, and then uh, <laughs> they're like, "We can't put this out." Uh, no, it was more so uh, revealing something we didn't want to reveal. Yes, yes, we didn't want to get in trouble for revealing something. <clears throat> it was more so to do with uh, some stuff that we were doing. Yeah, we were like that was we should we should cut that out because that's for something else. Uh, right, right. But that's the only time. I can ever think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there's been another, but it's it's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much try uh, to stay on task for that. We like that. You're getting the authentic uh, experience from both of us. Um, how are you? How are things on your end? What's uh, anything new? Anything new that's happening? Any new guests coming up on Settle the Score or, um, you know, is playoff time? Anything going on on your on the drop and dimes? Um. Well, sure. If you haven't heard last week's Settle the Score, we had uh, voiceover actors Scott White and Eric Lopez on. Nice. Nice. And uh, it was a return appearance for the two of them. It's a shitload of fun. Both really nice guys. I've known Eric for 12, 14 years, something along. Actually, maybe wow. even longer. Wow. Uh, you say voiceover actor. Is is he on? Is he a series regular on any kind of show? Any shows you can talk about? Or is he just – Oh, yeah, no. Uh, Eric's on – he's a voice on Young Justice. He's Bumblebee nice. Man on The Simpsons. Wow. He's uh, – I don't know. There's like literally you go to his IMDb and There's you're like, lot. dear God, man. <laughs> and then Scott's the exact same way. It's oh, wow. uh, He's the voice of Crash Bandicoot. Oh, okay. Uh, and – Literally 50 other things. He's wow. working on the, a new movie coming out, which everybody will see. 
uh, with an A-list actor. I don't think he's allowed to talk about it, so okay. I shouldn't talk about it. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but he's doing some voiceover for that. Uh, okay. Yeah, if you go look at both their IMDb's, it's yeah. Well, voice acting. I mean, you just you get like Eric just finished up. He's got two two or three shows streaming on Netflix and Amazon. He's got two or three more coming out in the next six months. It's insane. It's insane getting in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Yuri's the same way. You know, I used to host that show with Yuri Lowenthal. Yuri has a you know every every day it's like going to IMDb or something new. It's it, it's insane how much uh, voice actors work. Once they get into that sweet spot, yeah, just keep, uh, keep booking and keep booking. So yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, once you get uh, a reputation for you know being professional, being good, yes. and all that jazz, good work. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it's just a uh, nonstop work. But they were a shitload of fun. And uh, uh, let's see, next. Well, once they're hearing this, we'll have the Wangers on. Oh, nice! I haven't talked uh, to those guys in forever. That's cool. For the settle the score. For settle the score. So it's going to be a, a, a triple threat match. Is that what you're a saying? A triple threat match. Nice. And they'll be getting the rules that we instituted with you guys with Geek Buddies. And we worked out the kinks. Well, it's very rare when we have a three-person show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that final round of having to, hey, if person A doesn't get it, if person B has to guess it. Yeah. And if they don't, then automatically we'll see just the slight little variations right, uh, right. that we've uh, made tweaks to. But, uh, yeah, settle the score's been good. Playoff basketball's been, uh, pretty excellent last night. I agree. Uh, I, I watched those games that the Celtics Bucks one was fantastic. Jesus, man. What, what an incredible job there by Drew Holiday to save that, to <laughs> save that game. And, well, I mean, Giannis with blood pouring down his face. I mean, it just, it looked like a finals game. I thought when Horford came in for that putback slam, I was like, there it is, the nail in the coffin. That's just the momentum. And Giannis made a three, and then Drew made a three. You know, mm-hmm. ball game's tied at that point. Uh, that was really good. And then the Warriors got their ass kicked Oof. in a way. I, I can't remember a team yeah. that was up 3-1. They got their ass kicked that hard. I was surprised by that because I'm like, because I thought for sure. But then they, like, it was funny. They Memphis played whoop that trick. And there's Steph Curry laughing along. There's Draymond Green just swinging his towel because they have utter confidence that when they get back to Golden State for the next game, they're just going to absolutely crush them. And so well, it's, they were just kind of sitting like, fuck it. You know, there's nothing we can do about it. We're, we're getting blown out. Let's have a little fun and head on back to Golden State and whip the shit out of you guys. Yeah. That's I agree. I mean, that's the public face of it, of yeah. we got to accept the fact that we just got, you know, our asses flat out handed to us. Yeah. Without jaw. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, well, Curry brought up whoop that trick before the game. Yeah, that's yeah. what they were coming to do, and that's why they threw it in his face. Uh, and good for them, good for all involved. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, do you see the new trophies that are, that got announced? What new new NBA trophy, new title trophies? So they're going to have get out of here an Eastern and Western Conference uh, playoffs MVP. Ooh. I believe, and uh, I believe that's what it's for, but it's going to be the okay. Larry Bird for the East and Magic Johnson for the West. So it'll be the Larry Bird Trophy and the Magic Johnson Trophy. Uh, what's Michael say about that? I don't think Michael cares. <laughs> I would care. If I was, I believe, I'll tell you 100%, I think Michael cares. But, I mean, he, he will defer to Larry. He'll probably defer to Larry. And, uh, Magic and Larry saved the league. Yeah, that's true. I know. You're right. You're right. I'm sure Michael's like, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. I get it. It's cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, if you're going to have one, because he doesn't have a, a 
polar opposite like that, like yeah, Magic no. and Larry have, yeah, where it's yeah. a one and one type of situation. Because no one can match. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's a distinct rivalry there that you can just play upon. And uh, oh, did you finish Winning Time? Did you finish it? Or are you still? Oh in yeah. Process? Oh no, no, no. Did you like it? Thoughts? Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good. I mean, look, it, it's fictionalized, but it's entertaining. Yeah. I mean. Catherine enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh wow, that's great! Well, it just—it's a good show. Yeah, and it's got good drama and all that jazz. And uh, mm-hmm. so long as you don't really need to, them to be historically accurate, who cares? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's inaccuracies in it, but it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really well acted, I thought. And you know, John C. Riley was great. I mean, having his yeah. emotional journey throughout—that was something I really didn't expect. You know, to see. The owner. I mean, when's the last time you saw a show about an owner going through shit? That's kind of rare. And so, or even a movie. So to show him going through what he went through, I thought was really uh, powerful for the film, or for the show rather. And having Sally Field mm-hmm. play his mom. She was carried, great. Yeah, she was great. Carried extra weight. And of course, I don't know the young actress who plays Jeannie, but she was good. And it was great to see Gabby Hoffman, who I, who I think people need to stop sleeping on. She's a damn good actress. And she was good in the uh, come on, come on film with um, Joaquin Phoenix from last year as, as his sister, she was great in that film. And so it's great to see her do, do stuff. And of course the guys, they got to play all the care. I mean, even, I mean, Larry Bird's guy, Jesus, I hope there's a sequel dude. Because, well, I think they greenlit a sec, a second season because I want to see that Larry and magic thing develop. In yeah. There's a lot there. Parameter. Yeah. Will McKay actually set aside the time to do it? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he hands off the reins to someone else. I love that they brought in the bus boys as drunken frat boys for the final episode. <laughs> that's great. Just slandering the bus boys. It's so good. If, for those that don't know, it's like, nah, it's kind of, that one might be more accurate than some of the other depictions that we've seen in this uh, movie or this show rather. <laughs> Just talking shit to the other fans. Yeah, just more concerned with getting drunk oh. than the game. Oh, I mean, Jerry just staring at them, too, and getting it thrown in his face, the fact that he was overlooking Genie. It was great. Just great, man. So, um, And the stuff, I thought, um, what's his face from uh, The Wire and, um, uh, oh, and uh, remember the Titans? Mm-hmm. Um, God, I can't remember that actor's name right now off the hand. He was great as uh, uh, Spencer Haywood. Yeah, yeah. he was going through. And uh, negotiating with the drug addiction and all of that it was heartbreaking, man. It was tragic, uh, that ending there. I mean, and it was kind of scary. I had no idea. I don't know if that's fictionalized or if that's true or not, but I wouldn't put out the wrong possibility in 1980 for something like that to happen. Yeah, with the drugs that were running rampant, the fact mm-hmm. that cocaine almost destroyed the league in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the Richard Pryor might have been the catalyst <laughs> for him falling off the wagon. <laughs> There's, I mean... Listen, if you don't like basketball, basketball is a small part of it. It's it a is. good drama. Yes, yes. And the bad like, my wife could give two shits. Yeah. Like, I'll ask her when she gets home. I'm in the middle of watching the game. You know, I was watching the, the Celtics and Milwaukee yeah. game. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, who'd you have again? And she, and, you know, whatever. She'll make up some. <laughs> that one guy, I really like that guy. They're really good. Their fans seem good. Like, just some non uh, specific, yeah. but she got into the show. I think it's a testament to the overall quality of the production. Yeah, yeah. For all the complaints about, certainly Jerry West, a couple of in Jabbar, which is hilarious to me that Jabbar's complaining about. It. Um, for all the complaints about it, 
it was done in service of telling an overall story about what was going on at that time. And it captured the mood. I mean, the fact that it was unafraid about drugs, unafraid about cussing, unafraid about nudity. Mm-hmm. I thought that was refreshing, to be honest with you. In a time now where like, you know, everyone's like not trying to put anybody naked in their shows or in their movies or in the TV shows. It was great to see a show that was unabashedly reflecting the eighties and how hedonistic it was at times, especially in Los Angeles. So I appreciated the the gutsiness of that when it's not really done nowadays as much as it was. So I really appreciated that because it worked. It wasn't just thrown in, in my opinion, gratuitously. It worked for for conveying the character or what was going on in the scenes. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they made great choices all around, even yeah. if the portrayals irked uh, some people. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in service of telling a more dramatic story. Yeah. And if you take some of it with a grain of salt, like Jerry West, by all accounts, was not this explosive a personality. No, Kupchak was out defending him. It was great. Every every Laker from that era was defending him, saying this isn't. And the funniest thing was West Look. was suing, demanding an apology and a retraction. <laughs> what retract? So you what want them to take the show off the air? That's not going to happen. It literally says <laughs> some things have been changed. Yeah, it's it's a dramatization. Yeah, this is fiction, uh, historical fiction, but his it's fiction nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but the retraction killed me. I was like, well, what do you want them to do? Censor out? Like, I don't understand what a retraction is going to do. Yeah. I hope again. I hope we get a season two for the for Larry and for Magic, but also get Chickless back as um, uh, Red Auerbach because that was a great portrayal of Red Auerbach. Mm. Holy shit, that was a great portrayal of Red Auerbach. I, I want him back immediately next season, going toe to toe with with John C. Riley. Um, and if this, like the reports say, if this broke up the friendship of Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, then so be it. Because in the end. I think McKay did all the right choices in terms of casting and in terms of yeah. what he was trying to do with the show that it, this, the project was more important. And I think that's, that's going to stand the test of time, you know? And so I think that's much more uh, of a sacrifice you can make. It makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's worth a friendship, but, uh, John C. Riley is the better choice, in my opinion. Now, yes. I haven't seen it. It's like, I don't know that Will's going to be able to pull off yeah. the slight comedic, as he's this gregarious guy. Yes. To the drama having to deal with his mom, you know, suffering through and then passing. Yeah. Uh, and just the push and pull of all these different facets. And yeah, I, I found it really interesting. It was, it was a good one. Well, we've got uh, Matthew Simmons joining us live, Matthew Hassel joining us live, James Petty joining us live, uh, and Ma- Matthew Simmons wants to know, uh, real quick, how do you guys feel about Jokic getting MVP again? Uh, I, I would have voted for him, but it's not like it was a runaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Embiid had a worthy case, so did Giannis. Yeah. And I think it was those three between them, and all three were deserving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I personally think if you took Jokic off and put him in Philly – and put Embiid on Denver. Denver loses a couple more games. Philly wins a couple more games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, to me, is the difference. Uh, and then yeah. you have all the advanced stats and, and whatnot that you can lean on with Jokic. I mean, by damn near every metric, he is the best in the league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
and the people pointing to, you know, like uh, the playoff success this year. And it's like, well, it's a regular season award versus playoffs. And the supporting cast for Denver, I think, is much weaker. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would vote for uh, Jokic if I had a vote. I, I probably would have gone Embiid. Um, Kornheiser made a great uh, argument the other day. Where he was like, you know, I can't vote for a guy who took a team to its sixth place. And I was like, that's it's not a bad argument. It's not a bad argument. As much as you may say, oh, a lower, you know, he had lesser teammates, so he had to take it and all of that's cool and all. But I mean, Embiid went through a lot of shit this year with Simmons and all that. Nonsense. True. And so for me to take Philadelphia to where he took them and they're, you know, they're about to battle Miami tonight with, with that, with Miami without Lowry. So they might tie up the series here. I, I think this is going to be very, very interesting to see. Uh, if we get to a game seven with these two teams, uh, and if it, if Embiid can knock off the Heat, Embiid with Harden taking on Giannis in an Eastern Conference Finals would be quite interesting. Because I don't think the Celtics are going to end up overcoming Giannis, and if he takes on the Celtics, I think they're they're odds on favorites to beat the Celtics in my opinion. So I, I like this idea, and Embiid may end up in the finals, which would be crazy for all wow. the since he went. There. I have like the polar of the four teams left. I think Philly's the weakest. Wow. Okay. Like by. By a good stretch. Do you think they win tonight? As we're recording this, um, they're without Lowry. The Heat. Yeah, but they've been without Lowry. Fair. And if Giannis comes out and plays tentatively again, then they have no real shot because now yeah, you're I mean, asking Harden to do what Harden just it doesn't seem capable of anymore. And then Tobias Harris is showing up to play, but that's just not enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Thibault can't play anymore for some reason that just I guess you can't trust him on offense whatsoever that yeah you're just sacrificing his defense by sitting him on the bench so now you're like Danny Green we need you to score a bunch of points and Tyrese Maxey and yeah it's not impossible but I would favor the Heat tonight even though it's on the road uh game six for the Heat but yeah uh yeah and as far as the sixth place for yeah. the difference in wins was like th- two wins yeah Three wins, so it's not like they were leaps and bounds better than Denver. Philly yeah. ended up with a couple more wins. So when you look at it like that, and you're like, okay, the teams are basically even. It just mm. the way it shook out. Because the the problem with the West is Phoenix and Memphis were so far ahead of everybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Phoenix, especially, it's just like the top three spots are, I think, higher than everybody else in the East. So let's just go ahead and wipe those off. And now Denver is third in the West. And Philly is basically the the exact same team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, tonight's both games should be uh, good tonight. Looking for Phoenix. uh, Can they close out? We shall see. We shall see. Um, All right. Uh, Well, let's get into our list here, Matt. Uh, Let's talk about our uh, top 10 films dealing with british loyalty or about british royalty what what brought this about what were we talking about do you remember what film or, or tv uh show? it's the new uh downton abbey yes sir because the king and queen come to visit i love that that's the premise and they can build an entire movie around the king and queen visiting their english manor and that's a film yeah yeah. And I will probably eventually see it. I've seen the show. I saw the other movie. Shit, I yeah. saw it in the theater just because my wife w- was interested to go see it. So like, sure, let's go. Yeah. I saw it uh, on Monday night. It was good. It was good. It's yeah. Not a, it's not a boring sequel. It's a fun sequel. There's a much more going on um, between the characters, and it's pretty emotional. I was very surprised by that. So that's my 30-second review on it. So yeah, definitely go see it. It's good. 
Um, I actually liked it better than the one, the first one. So I felt this was a much more enjoyable uh, than the first one, whereas the first okay. one was, felt a little disjointed, like they were trying to figure out how do we convert this into a movie. And I felt this one was a little more confident in understanding how to convert it into a movie. So that's what I'll say. Um, what? I hope Spencer shows up. Oh, yeah. um, um, all right. So there we go. So that's why we're doing it. Top 10 films dealing with British royalty. Matt, how does the show work? Uh, we set a topic and go our individual ways, create personal top 10 list, show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Let's go. What do you got? Um, so I think there's minimum three you're going to have that I don't have. Fair enough. I love how you can think you know me, but okay, go ahead. Well, one I haven't seen and it's a favorite of yours. Mm-hmm. Another is a favorite of yours and I don't like. Okay. And the third, uh, I was bored watching it, and I know you're a big fan of it. Oh, my God. You know what? Get off my D, man. Just uh, you know, don't worry about what I think about things. You know I mean? Yeah, I didn't realize I was on. So it's good to know. Uh, <laughs> good to know. Uh, go ahead. Yes. So I, I actually kind of struggled until really? I started. Like, I had to rack my fucking brain. Oh, wow. Well, because – not really a subject matter you go to see movies about. Is that what well, no, mean? it's not so the, so much that. It's like, okay. well, there's quite a few that I haven't seen, except from the okay. 40s, 50s, and 60s. Right, slim right. pickings on that stuff. <laughs> um, you don't fat, find Matt Nost hanging around down there. That's fair. I, it's I, you know it, it just never, I guess, creeps into my mind. You know what I need to watch is. <laughs> This and of a and, thousand days, like, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't it doesn't come up uh, in my head. I'm not against watching it, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> so, like, excluding those three that you have, I was like, well, that's three right off the list, right there. And uh, there was another one that I found, like, looking it up after I I, I got to like six or seven, and I couldn't mm. come up with a single other, and then that's I just funny. started. Went into IMDb and did a keyword search and went through 500 movies on their keyword search and then looked over here, there, and the other. I found a couple movies. I was like, oh, that looks interesting, but I've never yeah. seen it. Right. Um, eventually, I got there. Oh, but, good. Uh, good. Yeah. So we I got a 10. I think, I, I mean, I have like 11 or 12, ultimately. <laughs> okay. Um, so at 10, I've got The Madness of King George. All right. That's my number. Oh, I didn't even put it on my list. Go ahead. Take away. Take it away. Um, so King George, who yes. lost in a war to the American colonists, yeah, seen Hamilton. That is the Mad King George. Yes, yeah, uh, my favorite part of Hamilton. Yes, agreed. Uh, but it's kind of impossible not to really gravitate to him because he is such a departure from everything else that they're doing, yeah. and he gets yeah. a spotlight and a silhouette, and it's really easy to fixate upon him. His Plus, reprise is just as good as his first introduction. Like his yeah. reprise when he's like, you know, you can't turn to me anymore. Leading is a whole other animal. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Just brilliant. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to go, man, that, it really stands out because it is completely opposite of everything else that's going on in the story. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's him devolving into the madness and then his son trying to usurp him in the back and forth uh, between the push and pull of him trying to get healthy and then the son slowly working through Parliament, the bill that would make him regent and 
you know, in dramatic movie fashion, I actually don't know if this is the case, mm. but the king makes it out the other side of his madness uh, and shows up to parliament as the vote, the final vote is taking place and the majority has has it by three votes and the king shows up and he's like, it's good to be here amongst all of you. And they're like, long live the king. And the, <laughs> his son is there defeated. Uh, and then they have a little coda at the end <laughs> with the family all coming together, uh, not in a happy way, but in the, we must stiff upper lip and all that jazz. Right. Right. Uh, but it's a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's got nice, small comedic moments. Okay. In it, I know it's billed as a drama and comedy. I think the mm-hmm. com- it's light on the comedy, but it's not really going for the laughs. It's more in the uh, character interactions, uh, more true to life uh, type of humor, where you'll you'll get a nice little smile or a chuckle every once and again. Yeah, uh, but it's just an interesting look uh, at the the Mad King. Yeah, right. And then at the end, they say what the disease is, like as a just Whoa. a block of text at the end. Okay. Uh, it's a physical malady that you can, it's genetically passed down, but I couldn't, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. But he was able to get through it. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, according to the movie. Right, right, right. I actually don't know the history of the Mad King. The Mad King? Uh, um, is Rupert Everett's son? Is that who plays Yes. The, okay, okay. Yeah, he plays his son. Helen Mirren plays his wife. That works. He's such a conniving little shit. Uh, speaking of Downton, uh, the guy that plays the lead butler plays one of the the lead parliamentarians that is oh. pushing for the regent to take over. Wow. With that voice of his? Burr, 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 burr. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, Jim Carter. Yes, he plays Fox. Okay. Wow. Quite a lot of people in here. Ian Holm is in this? Wow. Yeah. Ian Holm plays the doctor that uh, cures him. Of his sickness. Okay. Uh, um, trying yeah. to think. I don't. I don't know that I knew anyone else. Amanda uh, Donahoe is in this. She's the one who plays Jim Carrey's boss in Liar Liar, the British woman. Oh yeah, she plays uh, the Queen's lieutenant, so oh, to speak. Yeah. You know, her basically her most trusted advisor. Gotcha. Ah, wow. Yeah. Never would have uh, put two and two together on that one. There was a time when she was, she was, there was a time. There was like a, a couple, two or three years where there was Amanda Donahoe had some possibilities and then it just kind of didn't work out for her as much as um, it could have, you know, because she's a damn good actress. And there's another, uh, he, he's young in this. Okay. But he's gone on to do a bunch of like British TV shows. Uh, yeah. Is it Adrian Scarborough? He's kind of the, Smaller kind of ginger guy, a little bit slightly ginger guy, or no? Oh uh, no, he's got brown hair in this, oh, and right. now he's got salt and pepper. Oh, as an okay. Adult. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think what show he's been on. God damn it! God damn it! Oh, uh, oh well. Yeah, there you go. What's well, a uh, really good cast? Yeah, it looks in like a, yeah, interesting movie. I, mm. If you're into. Historical period pieces and whatnot and yeah. royalty. I think there's something there for everybody. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll have to see that. I know it's one I've had on my list for a very, very long time since it first came out. And I don't know why I've never watched it. 1994. Same year as Pulp Fiction and all those great movies that came out in 94. So great stuff. All right, what's your nine? It feels like it's an 80s movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't feel like 94. It feels more like 88 to me. 
Feels yeah, I'm just saying like late 80s, 88, 89. <laughs> All right. Doesn't feel like when the uh, we were making the transition to more indie films yes. breaking right. through. It feels more like a uh, something they would have done in a previous okay. decade. Anyway, my nine might be a punt, which is the queen. Uh, yes, that is a punt. Got wow. Nine. You gotta yeah, explain well, that. All right. What's your eight? I, I think it's just because I watch all these other movies before I watch that. Mm. I think that's just basically it. It's a good. It's a great movie. A lot of hatred for Ellen Mirren. They were nine and ten, right at the bottom of your list. Uh, you know, I'm she's made my list twice. But at the already. Bottom. So I don't know. All right. What's your eight? Listen, still pretty impressive. You gotta be perfectly honest. Uh, my my eight is a Knight's Tale. <laughs> All right, that's all you, man. Go ahead. There's oh, you don't like a Knight's Tale? Come on, that's a good movie. Is it about royalty or about him? Nah, we said, we about said with. We said with that deals with, with that deal with all that right. deal with. All right, deal with could be anything, man. I guess so. I guess. So. Well, there's a prince that is the son of the king. Is he an actual that, prince in historic royalty, or is he just a prince yes. for the film? All right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, Paul Bettany plays Chaucer, so they're basing. <laughs> True, These on real, some of them on real people. People, uh, but yeah, he had to square off in a joust against the knight. Yeah, uh, and it turns out that knight is the prince, and uh, the villain of the movie yeah, decides Rufus. to stand down. And yeah. Heath Ledger is like, "No, well, I'll take him on." And the prince, you know, yeah. respects that. Thank you for you know, basically treating me as an equal. Yes, on this battlefield, so yes. to speak. And, uh, yeah, I think the movie's a lot of fun. You're not a fan of Night's Tale? No, no, I am. I just didn't think about it because it, that's about him, you know, about being a knight and jousting and all. I didn't think about the British. Yeah. We said deal. Connection. Had we said based on British royalty, okay, mm-hmm. this movie does make it. No, it's a good point. That's a good point, you know. Deal with is a nice little wiggle room of vagary. <laughs> and I took advantage of that because yeah. once again, you have. That's right. Two for sure, I will say, but I think three. You snuck into the paint. Have. You snuck into the paint and got that and got that yeah, ball. Off Bobby Portis it, baby. I got that <laughs> offensive rebound. I threw it up as the clock expired. No, I like a Night's Tale. It's been a bit since I've seen it, but I like it. I, I remember, like, obviously, it's a great um, film to go back and enjoy Heath Ledger. It's not just Dark Knight with Heath, Heath Ledger, ladies and gentlemen. There's a bunch of other things you can join him in. Uh, Monsters Ball, uh, obviously broke back 10 Things I Hate About You in this film. You know, he's really good in this film. And, uh, Mark Addy is great as well as the kind of more portly assistant. Mm-hmm. Laura Frazier as the woman of the crew and Tudyk, Alan Tudyk is Tudyk. in there as well. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Rufus Sewell is the villain. And of course, Bettany, as you mentioned, and also Shannon Sassaman, who this, I think this was one of her first roles as she was transitioning out of being a DJ into an actress. Um, uh, and then of course she's in kiss, kiss, bang, bang as, uh, she gets killed in that movie. So, um, yeah. So yeah, a fun film. And they do the anachronistic. I think it was the first one to do anachronistic music in a period piece. I think they were the first ones. Okay. And of course, Marie Antoinette did that shit that Sofia Coppola directed and a couple of the films recently have done that as well. But I think that was the first one that used like, we will rock you in the movie but the movie was so good it kind of earned it that you were like oh who cares it's fun it fit the vibe of what they were going for of course yeah Yeah, they're not going for a historical period piece where everything needs to be as right as we can possibly make it it's like we're here to have a good time and 
tell a fun story about yeah. chivalry and love and rising above your station in life. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, that's what the closing is. He finally reveals who he is in mm -hmm. front of the crowd. And it doesn't matter because he's a fucking champion. <laughs> and there's nothing people love more than yeah. a champion. That's for sure. A hundred percent. Um, all right, so my number 10 is uh, King Ralph. <laughs> okay, I I excluded it from the list because uh, I was like, that movie's not good. I, I loved it as a kid, but I knew as a kid it was dog shit. You tell me you like that movie? I love that movie. It really? It's such a dumb, fun movie with, uh, with, uh, John, with Goodman John Goodman and Peter O'Toole. And you know what? They have a really su – two sweet moments between those guys – that is really well done in the movie. And I just like it. It's it's one of those dumb throwaway fun films. I wanted to throw it on here because pretty much everything that's on my list is super serious. And so uh, I wanted to throw a little balance onto my list. But I like King Ralph. And I couldn't put this above some of the other more accomplished films. But I think it earned a place on my list because I like it. Now, does it deal with – it deals with a fictional British royalty. But – very much in a version of British royalty that we see nowadays. So, cause it's kind of a modern film in its approach, but oh, Goodman yeah. was great. He's very funny. He's unusual. One of those John Goodman vehicles that actually worked for me. Cause there weren't that many that worked for me where he's a lead. Um, but this one really does. And the, the British girl, I can't remember the actress's name. She was in nuns on the run and a couple other films and she was in doctor who she's great as kind of his love interest. Who's like a working class woman. And, doesn't really want to believe that he's got, and then you got these people kind of angling to try to um, overturn him becoming king, which is hilarious. An American being the king of England is just just a wealth of comedic possibilities there. But they made it work because of the tender performance from um, Peter O'Toole in certain moments, and then John Goodman in the twist at the end. You know, when you find out who Peter O'Toole actually is, it's so great. So to me, it's just a fun kind of film, and I just wanted to throw it on my list. That's all. Feel free not to say anything about it if you didn't like. No, I mean, look, I, I was so excited to see this as a kid. <laughs> I loved John Goodman. He was just so likable. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it as a kid. And I have, uh, as an adult, gone back to to watch it, and uh, it's not as good for me. I'm not against it. Look, I wrote it down on my it's side awesome. list, and I was like, look, if it gets to Slim Pickens, I am putting this at ten. <laughs> I mean, I eventually got there, but. It, you know, yeah. Uh, I like the nostalgia. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, my number nine is The Lion in Winter. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic film uh, with um, Peter O'Toole again. Yeah. Well, interesting. Peter. Yeah. I guess you can throw the bottom. Oh, look at that! Disrespect to Peter O'Toole. Let <laughs> totally him know. Fair. Totally fair. Shit. Um, yeah. Peter O'Toole uh, and Catherine Hepburn. Uh, uh, as uh, she's Eleanor of Aquitaine is King Richard and uh, what they're going, I think it's Henry, what they go through um, there and what he's dealing with and with his kids who are played by Anthony Hopkins and I think Timothy Dalton and all the battles and struggles. It's a great play. It's a fantastic film with the script and the scenes, these emotional back and forths. And con I mean, it's essentially kind of like what you get in, um, that film that's based on a play with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Oh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? It's essentially a version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf because they have such a fucked up relationship. Um, but it's their constant scheming against each other that they, in some really messed up way, respect and love about each other. And their sons are such disappointments because they don't have 
the joy of political maneuvering within them. They feel it more on a personal level as opposed to the joy of the game. They are way too invested in the results as opposed to the process. Um, so you see all of that playing out throughout the movie as they use and maneuver to try to get more power um, in the situation because they obviously uh, don't want either one of them to have full power. And so they try to kind of maneuver as much as possible throughout the whole thing. So just a fantastic display of great actors and a very, very young Anthony Hopkins, if you want to enjoy him in, in a movie like this. But certainly Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn are the leads. And it's great. I just love it for that. Yeah. I have not seen it. So <laughs> There you go. Okay. Uh, so then my number eight is Richard III. Uh, that's the one with Ian McKellen? Yes. Yes. I saw that on list and was like, oh, that looks interesting. But I yeah. haven't seen it. It's really good, man. And, and it, was one, it was one of those Shakespeare adaptations that really worked because they were able to modernize it into, I think it's World War One that they set it in. Um, and so everything that he's doing, you understand why he's doing it. Even though he's being pretty evil and pretty fucked up, he's also doing it in a way to kind of save the kingdom from what's going on and taking these harder, making these harder decisions um, that he needs to make to save the country. So it's an interesting exploration of Richard III in the context of World War One and using the play's speeches and and uh, back and forths to convey what's going on. And a great cast. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. and at Benning, uh, a bunch of other people as well. Um, and the deaths are pretty gruesome. Uh, and I think Kristen Scott Thomas is in this as well. Um, and Ian McKellen is just great. Before he was Gandalf, he was quite a, a little shit in movies and he is great in this movie. So you know, if you haven't seen Richard the third, it's definitely one I highly, highly recommend. So I, yeah, I appreciate that. Anytime they take a Shakespearean and put it into a model, like uh what is it? Coriolanus Coriolanus. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, one with Gerard Butler. And, yeah. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. By putting it in circumstances that I can understand, it yeah, helps yeah. me basically be able to penetrate the dialogue. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, in play form, a lot of times I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if you can create stakes that a modern individual who isn't as well versed in yeah. Shakespeare yeah. can, at the very least, the setting can uh, give you context as to what they should be saying. And then you can kind of devise from there. Right. Uh, if you ever get lost, it's not as uh, – you know, uh, disheartening sometimes because you're like, well, you're trying to decipher what the last sentence was and there are four sentences beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost like when you're trying to listen to something in a foreign language, you're like, okay, I know three or four of those. Oh shit. They've already moved on. Like that's, yeah. uh, slow down, slow down, slow down. yeah, slow down, please, please. <laughs> I can follow along as long as you talk to me like a six year old, <laughs> but yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great cast too, Matt. Um, you've got Nigel Hawthorne, who just mentioned Madison King George. Maggie Smith is in this, as I mentioned, Robert Downey Jr. Jim Carter, who you just mentioned, was in Madison King George, the guy from Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Broadbent is in in this. Dominic West is in this, who's also in the new Downton Abbey movie. Yeah, I uh, saw him on the poster, or whatever, yeah. at the theater. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, he's good in it too. Kristen Scott Thomas is in this, so there's a, a number of people. Who are in this movie um, that'll uh, that are damn good, you know. And I, I don't know the, the director that well. This is I've only I think I've only ever seen a couple things of his, including one episode of uh, Band of Brothers that he directed, um, and Firewall, that terrible Paul Bettany Harrison. Oh movie. yeah, that movie was terrible, man. 
That's part of like a whole slew of Harrison Ford yeah. movies that were mediocre. Yeah, Harrison. Yeah. Oof. But anyway, yeah, but this one actually does a nice job. So if you like modern interpretations or somewhat modern interpretations of the Shakespeare plays, this is one you should definitely, definitely watch. Um, all right. What's your, what's your seven, bud? Uh, my seven is Robin Hood, Prince Ooh, of Thieves. Okay. All right. Because Richard the Lionheart shows right. up at the very end with King John. Shiani C. Prince John, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean, look, it's, it's Robin Hood. It could be my favorite Robin Hood movie. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, the Errol Flynn stuff to me is, it's fine. Yeah. It's a little too, uh, it's a little too prancy for you, I would say. Is that, is that right? I, it's more so just like, they, in no way is this a real interpretation of who this character may have been. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't care about the flourishes that they gave the character, so to speak. Right. But it's more so like, a, I don't know that this seems realistic to me. Mm. Although it's a modern sensibility looking back at a time when they weren't really going for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so perhaps, you know, judging it through that lens isn't exactly fair. Right. Uh, but then, you know, the, what you're up against is in essence, what the Russell Crowe, which, yeah, I think if they got it to a second one, that right. could have been good or second and third. Yeah. Uh, um, see, wasn't, wasn't there another one? Yeah. There was the one with, uh, was it Taron Egerton who played Robin Hood? Yes. Yeah. 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 And that Jamie was- Foxx. Horrific. That was horrific. I walked as Mance and I went to see that screening. We both walked out at the same time. No bullshit. Like I went out to get a drink from the bar because I'm like, I didn't give a fuck about the movie. And then Mance was out there already. Uh, and I said, what the fuck are you? Done? He goes, oh, I'm done with that movie. I can't even finish that movie. I go, when did you walk out? He goes, like, I don't know, 30 seconds ago. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's terrible. So we just had drinks and, and, and went off and uh, had some fun uh, just talking about movies or whatever. So. Yeah, it's horrific that film. But I, I would throw the one that uh, a lot of people don't talk about this one, but the the uh, Patrick Bergen one with Uma Thurman from the 1990s that was okay. on Fox. That's a really good Robin Hood movie. It really is. Uh, it, you know, I mean, Pins of Thieves is fun, but like this is uh, that one is really good. If no one's seen it, who's listening to us? If you haven't seen it, it's 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 good. And he's it's, I don't know. It's one of the last hurrahs of Patrick Bergen. You know, being a cool lead in a film, uh, and Uma's still kind of young, and she works as Maid Marian, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, Just slandering my boy Costner. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I've got British accent in the first thirty minutes, and then I just lost it. And ah, I don't thirty it. minutes might be a stretch on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Do it or don't. Just make the decision. Yeah, right. Exactly. Commit. I'm fine. I'm fine with you not having it. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's a movie. You're Kevin Costner. No one knows you to be the king of accents, so right. it's good. It's it's okay. But his uh, Boston accent was horrific in fucking thirteen days. Oof. I think Oof. everybody that tries to do that accent from you know that specific period usually sounds pretty <laughs> terrible. That's true. That's true. It's also because it sounds so foreign. Yeah, right. I don't know anybody that really speaks like that because now it would just be like Marcus and it's not the – Well, Burr does, doesn't he? Bill Burr, he still has that pop up every once in a while. Yeah, but it's not the, the oh, it's patter. Not the, 
Yeah, it's not the the put upon New England accent, right? Yeah, the ear ear ear. You know, the, yeah, he doesn't do that. It's the weird accents on things like I don't even know how you came up with that. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> maybe it was you know shorthand when you were running rum up the coast and somehow your kids got infected with this pirate talk. I don't know exactly what it was, right, right. But it's a very specific accent to me, at least, not having grown up there. Whereas, yeah, now I know the mass hole uh, that I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that uh, Burr and Casey Affleck did those two sketches on SNL. The Dunkin' Donuts sketch with Casey and the Sam Adams one. Sam Adams one with Burr. Oh, my God. That was great. That was um, fucking great. But, yeah, the uh, Robin Hood. So you got Costner. You got uh, uh, Master Antonio. Mm-hmm. You got Alan Rickman, yeah. Uh, Christian Slater, another excellent casting. Yeah, true, very true. Uh, Morgan Freeman, fantastic. Yes, as the Moor. Yes. Um, and I also like that as the counterpoint because you assume it's going to be Little John. Yes. And to have him come back from the Crusades with this other, you know, uh, guy. Yeah. And, I like the polarity of that. It makes makes for an interesting uh, storyline as opposed to just automatically falls in with his merry band of thieves. Yeah. Uh, that grows in time. And I don't know. I, I'm i a fan. I still watch it. And I think if nothing else, if you haven't seen Rickman as oh. Sheriff, yeah. like he steals the show without even trying. Yeah. Uh, and I the, the quote of, you know, cut his heart out with a spoon. Mm-hmm. It's like why a spoon? Because it's dull, and the idea that he had, yeah, had the thought of that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Michael Wincott, who is in there as his second in command. Yeah, and he was also the villain in Three Musketeers and The Crow, and The Crow, and he was uh, in The Doors as kind of a friend of Morrison's, and now he's going to be in Nope, the um. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so insane. Apparently, he lives in France. He never gives interviews. Um, so just very curious to see him popping up. I mean, what an what an interesting casting to bring Michael Wincott into this uh, film that's coming out in twenty twenty two. Was kind of UFO horror film there from Jordan Peele. So kind of nice. He's in the, the the. I don't know if they've shown the new trailer, but he's in it. So it's great to see him. Okay. Um, we got. I got to see that CinemaCon, the the pieces of the new footage of CinemaCon, and he's in it, so it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, and great song, of course, the the Brian Adams song, which was huge. Um, oh the, yeah, the everything I do. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your six? Uh, my six is the King. Ooh, slight punt. Slight. Punt. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, so, my number seven is Young Victoria. Which is the go um, for the Emily Blunt? Yes, this is the you know Matt. Every once in a while, I do watch a movie for a list. I try to rely on my own knowledge of movies. This one though, I did watch for the first time ever for this list, and I really enjoyed it. And this is a this is an Emily Blunt that is still kind of establishing herself at the time as an actress, and she brings a lot of ferocity to this character as she's navigating the political landscape that's going on and she's trying it's you know they're trying to usurp her and kind of push her out of being in power and she is able to navigate and negotiate uh, throughout the movie 
And she's supposedly 18 years old. The character is, she's 18 years old in the movie. So, I mean, to have that kind of understanding of how to play this fucking game at 18 years old is, is pretty incredible. Um, and watching her as a young actress as well. This, I think this was right after Devil Wears Prada. So she's still kind of establishing how great of an actress she's going to be. And it mm -hmm. is fun to watch her. Um, in the scenes that she's in, um, throughout the movie and as she's building this character of young Victoria, it was as, whereas Elizabeth is very like, Ugh! young Victoria is much more kind of subtle as she's working through everything, uh, which adds to the drama that she might not get away with it or she might not get there. Um, which I think is great for the movie. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, but I really liked it and it's got a good, good cast. Uh, I've actually never seen it all the way through. I've seen okay. pieces of it. Okay. Um, so I couldn't put it on my list. Fair enough. Uh, for that reason. Um, I wanted to, I can't remember what, remember having to stop it for some specific reason. Okay. Like I'd started watching it and then something happened and I was like, okay, I'll just come back to this. And I haven't yeah. literally haven't thought about it until we did this list <laughs> from how many ever years ago that was. Yeah. 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 Whenever I could get it digitally is when I watched it. And then I can't remember what, but something came up and I was like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll just finish this later. Yeah. Never. It never happened. Um, yeah. So I couldn't in good conscience uh, put it on. Of course. But I enjoyed it up to the point that I did. So yeah. Yeah. should finish it. But I, I feel like I got to start over from the beginning because it's right. been so long that I don't even know specifically where I left off. Like, oh, I left off at the one hour and five minute mark. Like, I don't <laughs> have the slightest clue. Uh, I don't know if this looks familiar. Uh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Paul Bettany's in this thing. Miranda Richardson, Rupert Fringe, and Broadbent. Mark Strong is in this. Um, uh, Michael Maloney, who I love. Genevieve O'Reilly, who is playing Mon Mothma now in Star Wars. Um, Harriet Walter, um, and Julian Glover, who y'all may remember from, uh, Indiana, from, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. So a good cast of people. If you haven't seen this one, plus led by the great Emily Blunt. Uh, yeah, because this one came out, what, 2000, yeah, 2009, so 13 years ago. And it's by the guy who did Dallas Buyers Club, the director. So mm. give a little shout out there. Um, all right, so then my number six is Elizabeth, speaking of which. Is that a pun for you? Uh, that's – couldn't I, – I found that movie boring. Okay, so that's the one you couldn't put on. Okay. Yeah, um, three. Yeah, totally understand. I liked Elizabeth. Didn't like the sequel. Really didn't like the sequel, but – this is like Lincoln to me, and I know you're going to get upset about this, but like this is like Lincoln to me where the film surrounding it is not as strong, but the performance keeps you uh, connected to the film. And I still believe she should have won Best Actress for this over Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love. It's a much more, um, I don't know, it's a role that asks much more of her than it asks of Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love. And she delivers with such a ferocity. Uh, here that uh, I think is just incredible, you know, and, and to me, I kind of look back on this Oscars thing and I'm going like, well, what did Weinstein do here that made it possible for them to ignore Kate Blanchett's performance? You know, you got to ask, did she, did he pay some people off? Did it, you know, certain things go around, you know, what was involved in all of this? But in the end, if you watch both those movies, there's no way you can come away thinking that Paltrow deserved it over Kate Blanchett. And she's great in this film. Um, and uh, again, the political machinations and, you know, she's got the, what Mary Queen of Scots is trying to usurp her and she's, you know, fighting her off while she's also 
figuring out what it means to be queen and then has this powerful moment of embracing being the virgin queen. So kind of washing away this idea that she may have had sex with anybody before. It took a, it takes a hell of a force of will and some great PR to push that uh, forward and then leads her country in a battle uh, and does an incredible job. They defeat the Spanish Armada, I think, under her rule in the movie. So uh, just great stuff. So that's what I'll say. I know you find it boring, but I liked her. I I, look, I wanted nothing more than to love every stinking second of it because <laughs> it's right in the wheelhouse of all kinds of different things that I love. Yeah. And uh, yeah, watched it. And I was like, I can't believe how slow I found that. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even – I would love to co-sign the idea that her performance – was so amazing that I'm willing to go back and watch it, even though mm. the movie as a whole isn't that good. Because I'm not taking anything away from performance, but right. it didn't, it doesn't capture me the way that Lincoln does. Mm. Right. Um, whereas I could watch a one man show of him just telling stories as Lincoln. I could too. Um, whereas her, it's nothing against Blanchett because I think she's one of the best, you know, actors mm. working. Yeah. I just found, the, I don't know. Yeah, it's seriously. I walked into that going, everybody's hyping this up. This is catnip for me. Yeah, and I walked out going, man, this was so dull. <laughs> uh, and I'm yeah, it 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 was depressing that it didn't work for me. I was I was sad afterwards. Yeah, just because it's historical. It's a uh, slice of life. We're going back into revisiting a character mm. or an individual uh, yeah. that. I've read a decent amount about, um, and, uh, you know, the fact that Hollywood took a chance on that and yeah. tried to bring to, to life a period piece like this usually is everything that I'm excited for. And it just, yeah. yeah, I was like, damn, that sucks. Okay. But I'm glad others liked it and it got a sequel. So maybe long-term it fosters more of these types of movies. Yeah. We'll see. Certainly it's fostered a couple of TV series already based on Elizabeth for sure. Um, all right, so uh, should we take a break, Matt? Yeah, let's take a quick break and hear this word from our sponsor. We'll be right back with our top fives. All right, there we go. There's our – we are back. Um, so my number five is yeah. uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Look, you have King Ralph. At least mine is based on King Arthur. And he is basically the gold standard. He doesn't exist. <laughs> Neither does King Ralph. You have King Ralph on yours. Let's A B these two movies. Let's let's put this but let's put this in this isn't like you just all of a sudden added Monty Pot. You had this already. You had this already. So. I did. Once again, I don't have Elizabeth. I don't uh. have at least one other that you're gonna get to. Oh, you think I'm gonna get to? With I, a certain four director. I think I Yeah, no, you didn't. It's on there. Probably number one. Uh, anyway, all right. Let's. Yeah, you're right. King Arthur and the. How King close King am I? How close am I? Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, yeah, it's a, the Arthurian tale retold through the the lens of the Pythons. I'm telling you, man. There was there were quite a few that I'm like, I haven't seen this, or I didn't care for this. Yeah. Um, I respect so. that you got there, man. I respect you got the clutching at straws at times on this one. My side list is pretty slim. King Ralph was the side list <laughs> was at top of the side list. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was shocked by the fact that I, cause when we talked about it, I was like, Oh yeah, we can, this will be easy. Yeah. There's gotta be a million of these. 
It's like for TV shows, sure. Uh, but for movies, it's like, so, uh, hence yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail making it onto my list. Well, okay. All right. All right. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you because I mean, it does, it does count. It is British royalty in a way. Dealing with British royalty. We didn't say it had to be historically accurate. That's right. Fiction. Yeah. It didn't have to be nonfictional fiction. You're right. You're right. I love that. Had movie. we put caveats in there, then it would have made for a much different list. That's true. That's true. It may be not even a show because Matt would have gotten. To- well, I would have had to watch two, three movies, which is fine, so long as I know in advance. Right, right, right. And they just got to find them on, you know, whatever streaming service. Um, uh, I, I want to tell you about something. Um, there's a new app called Movie Eatle. I think is it, is what it is, Movie Eatle, and they show you the movie in one second, and you the entire movie. In one second, and you guess what the movie is. So I guess there's all these things coming out that are connected to like Wordle. And so Monty Python, the Holy Grail was the one yesterday. That's why I'm bringing it up because it was the one yesterday. So it's pretty interesting. Like it's a nice challenge to see if you can guess what the movie is from literally one entire second of the movie going in fast forward. So Um, they play the entirety of the movie in one second. Yes. And then if you don't get it right in the first game, you get six guesses. If you don't get it right in the first guess, then they add, an, then they may tell you the whole movie in two seconds. So things would logically kind of slow down in certain spots that you might catch, and then three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, six seconds, and then you're done. Uh, you're done with your guessing. But I went, I went into a hole yesterday. I did like 45 of these to challenge myself because uh, I'm a sick son of a bitch, and it was fun as hell. Like just fun as hell to be like, oh yeah, boom, oh boom, and how many you can know literally from one second. Of watching the entire movie, so God, yeah, that seems like a impossible task, but clearly. <laughs> and how do they get around that with a rights issue? I don't know. I really don't know. How do you play the entire? It's like one thing for fair use, right? Uh, I think it's six minutes for fair use on YouTube, so I don't know what it is on a. On yeah, a but you have to be doing like a critique, right? Or there's got to be some sort of educational aspect to it or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. But although fair use is gray, there's no definitive definition. Look at Sporkle, right? You can put what frames from the movies, posters from the movies. I don't know if you can put videos. I go, that's a great point. I don't know if you can put videos. Um, Cause I think that's the thing that always stopped the Schmodown from doing like a soundtrack thing where they would play a clip of the song. I don't because of the six second yeah. rule. You need to also play. You have to pay for a license. Yeah, yeah. For all of that, if you want to play the artists, because then you're dealing with publishers and whatnot. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it just becomes insanely expensive. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. So what what number was that for you? That oh, was no, my I was five. Just saying that up. Okay. So you, what's your number five? That was my five. Oh, okay. Monty Python and the Holy gotcha. Trail. Sorry, We've talked about it, so we don't yeah. need to get into. My five is the slight bun from earlier for for you, the king, the one on Netflix with okay. Yeah, oh my god, such a good movie, dude. I went back and watched it again a few weeks ago. That fucking movie is so good. It's so good. Um, uh, a more honest telling of the Henry the Fifth story, the historical story, and him and Pattinson. Um, it's just so good, and what he negotiates, what he navigates, what he 
puts together when he tries to, and he's got such an ease to what he's doing with Henry V that I was just really impressed by that guy. Because, dude, he, you know, his name is Timothy Chalamet. He's got that hair. He's got that face. He could easily default to just being one of those, like, oversensitive pricks. And he isn't. He's actually really invested in the things he does. And you go along with the investment because you sense an authenticity there that some actors don't have when they try on roles like this. So. Yeah, I think if we were to do this list in five years – yeah, because I've only seen it the once. Now I've gone back okay. to watch a couple scenes again, especially that that end one oh, God, when yes. the, he turns on his advisor. The Mendelssohn who plays his advisor. Who is it? Plays his no, no, no. It's not Mendelssohn. It's the guy that's in uh, Prometheus. He was a villain in Mission oh, Impossible. Right. Yes. Yes. Sean Harris. Yes. There you go, Sean Harris. Yes. Right. Um, Puts him up on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Mendelssohn's his dad. My bad. Yeah, Mendelssohn plays his dad. My bad. Uh, so it's like uh, the others I've watched more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's what it came down to. It was like, mm, boy, I think in, in five, six years, I will have watched this again. And it creeps up a little bit more. Yeah. And it creeps up a little bit more. Um, yeah. To see like a, a real fall staff as opposed yeah. to the drunken buddy that you're hanging out with, which yeah. he still has that aspect of it. True. But the military background that's kind of, I don't want to say whether or not it's true in yeah. the Shakespearean sense. Because it's kind of played for, did he, didn't he, is he just full of hot air? Right. Um, and in this, it's like, no, he clearly did. Yeah. And for him to come in and be like, we need to strip down the armor to make us lighter on the battlefield, which is further uh, illustrated when Chalamet faces off against Pattinson. Pattinson yeah. can't get footing just because he's carrying all the weight of his armor and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it's really good. It's like getting close to historically accurate yeah yeah um which is impressive to say yeah. the least agreed very much so and uh um edgerton's work as falstaff as you said matt just great so it's another element of all these really strong actors coming to this production and delivering fantastic work so um all yeah, right what's your we're talking well and the the Younger moviegoers, uh, I know that there's a debate of who's better, uh, oh. Chalamet or Holland. Really? Like but well, just in that because Holland is the face of he's Spider Man, he's got Uncharted, like yeah. he is more movie star in that regard, and Chalamet right. is putting together a resume of I'm going to be an Oscar contention. Yeah, and they're two different types of careers. Oh yeah, uh, but I was. Just like you, surprised at how well he pulls this off. Yeah. I want to go back and watch his other films, um, Animal Kingdom and uh, The Rover, um, because I heard well, good things about The Rover. Animal Kingdom, God, he's got to be incredibly young in. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm Mendel talking about the director. Sorry, I'm talking about the director. Oh, I was going to say, it was because no, 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 Mendelssohn is yeah, yeah, relatively yeah. young in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my bad. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, Chalamet is more – yeah, I, I see Chalamet as a different – like he's just more focused on the period stuff, the artistic stuff. Yeah, art house stuff. Yeah, art house stuff. I don't know if I'd ever see him in a Marvel or DC movie. Not that it can't happen. Well, at um, this point, no. He's going the Leo route. Yeah, he's going the Leo route. Yeah, that's a great point. He's going the Leo route, whereas yeah. Tom is quite happy going the other route. So, Well, we don't know that. I'm sure they're both – Envious of one another. 
Oh, sure. And it doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean he won't circle back around because obviously Tom has done some more um, artistic fare in the past with the impossible and other things. So, you know, yeah. it's still. And Tom has Zendaya and they were just in Dune <sighs> together, Chalamet and Zendaya. So maybe he's like, well, you're Sorry. pretty lucky guy. She's she's pretty awesome. I have no idea. But uh, keep your hands off. Yeah. Yeah. It's my lady. <laughs> but yeah, I want to go back and see this director's other because War Machine was okay because he directed that too, the Brad Pitt one on Netflix. That was okay. I, yeah, I wanted to like that. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's I, fine. yeah, you had to kind of make yourself like that one. Yeah, you know, you get drawn in like that's a great cast, and you see it, and you're like, okay, it's yeah. it's a way to spend like a hundred and five minutes. Yeah, right. I don't think it's a maybe it's two hours, but I want to say it's under two hours. Yeah, I think it's under two hours. I want to see it. Um, all right. So where are we off to next? Uh, my four, my, right? Or your four? My four, which oh, yeah, is four. definitely not on your list. Okay. Go ahead. Zero chance in hell this is on your list. Okay. Uh, which is the Pirates Band of Misfits. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely not on my list. Go ahead. Take uh, this is the Queen Victoria. One? Yeah. The stop motion. Yes. It's excellent. You, what, do yourself a favor. What's the royalty connection with this one? Uh, Queen Victoria is the oh. antagonist. Okay. She wants to destroy all pirates and they want nothing more than, basically it's, it's a metaphor for the movie industry. Mm. That the movie industry is telling them your ways are antiquated, old, and you need to update to a modern age because that's what she's saying. We're moving into the industrialized age and we right. need to phase you out because you're products of a bygone era. And they are defiantly saying no. And that's, ba I mean, it's what it is. It's a metaphor for their place yeah. within the movie industry and modern movie going as a whole. At least that's my interpretation of it. Right, right. Uh, and in the midst of all that, they fit in jokes for kids, but there's actually uh, quite a few jokes for adults. Oh. Um, what I appreciate about any good stop motion, the screenplay had to be locked in place years right. before. Right. Because it takes so much time. So when you're seeing all these joke, jokes roll out, you're like, boy, there was no deviation. They don't get to improv on set. Mm -hmm. Like, this is point A to point B, and they have to make this thing. Um, and the character design has to be locked in and, like, everything about it. There isn't much back and forth. So when the artistic vision comes to fruition like this, it I appreciate all the much more knowing that they had to sit and think this out and storyboard it and spend mm. a tremendous amount of time in the prep right. in order to deliver a product that is as good as this. And yeah. then to make one that is also a middle finger to the industry as a whole, I appreciate it even more. Mm -hmm. um, and great voice casting, tons of uh, actors that everyone knows in it. Uh, but yeah, Queen Victoria is the main antagonist <laughs> they have to go up against. All right. All there right. you go. Gonna have to see it at some point. Uh, I like the stop motion stuff from them. Um, so I should, I should eventually see that thing. Okay. <clears throat> then, uh, my number four is, uh, The Queen, which is the punt from earlier. Okay. So I like this movie. I really like Helen Mirren in this film and what she's able to, uh, do with that role, um, of Queen Elizabeth II. And then, um, Michael Sheen, her relationship with Michael Sheen as they're dealing with Tony the Blair. Yes, Tony Blair. This is dealing with the death of Diana throughout the movie. And uh, it's such an interesting backdrop to throw into a film like this because, in a way, it makes the Queen sympathetic as you're watching the movie because you understand why she's so limited in understanding people's reactions to Diana 
and then seeing Charles's kind of um, political PR political maneuvering to make it seem as to try to make it seem like he's the sympathetic figure in all of this so that he could take away the blame for being such a jerk to Diana and kind of throwing his mom onto the pit uh, in a way to be skewered by the public. Um, and then of course, Prince Philip was played by James Cromwell and his reaction to it all, which is really dismissive. So fantastic. And you're seeing an older woman and all the things that she's going through. Cause it's really easy to just be like, Oh, the royalty, fuck royalty, blah, blah, blah. But these are human beings. And so they're capable mm -hmm. of all these emotions, whether they connect with us or they're, you know, they can buy a gallon of milk at the store or not. They're still human beings capable of these emotions. And I like that the film highlights that journey for the queen and Helen Mirren do an incredible job uh, with that character. And she said, like, when she saw the outfits, and she started to cry. She said, because she was like, I've never worn such frumpy shit um, <laughs> in a film ever. And so that tells you even more so how committed she was and how hard she had to work to kind of, you know, shove that piece of her down and focus on building this character. And I think she does an excellent job. And by the end, you just have a better understanding. You may not have sympathy fully for how she reacted, but you have a better understanding of why she reacted that way. And I think that's cool about the film. So, yeah. Uh, after having watched The Crown, mm. you know, the, so the episode where the coal mining town, oh. the sloth, and it comes down, it just Dude. destroys the town. Best and episode she, of the series, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, that like Margaret's husband goes, and seasons like you have to come yeah. and the queen's hesitant initially saying, I'm just going to be a distraction. I go in after they've done all the cleanup. Right. And it's just like, no, you can't, you really need to get down there. The prime minister keeps pushing her and she eventually does. You would think she would learn her lesson <laughs> like that when it comes to Diana. Now there is the, she's not really a Royal anymore. Right. And, uh, but to see the outcry and public sentiment and she's different. This isn't Fergie. This isn't, right. you know, Others that have married into the family, she became the star as evidenced by the last season of The Crown. Where, yeah, which is great. Yeah. yeah, she's getting, you know, a better reception everywhere they go uh, over Charles. Yeah. Um, so you would just kind of, I guess maybe there was still some some inherent jealousy. Well, there's mom things, aren't there? I mean, you left my son. Like, the, you know, how many moms would want to defend their previous son's ex-wives you know when they leave so publicly and embarrass them so even though the son was an asshole uh in cheating and ended up with that woman that he cheated on diana with still um which is crazy uh there are moms who will defend them so you get that kind of you can look at it from a human place like that but you're right she there have been lessons for her where taking the more human humanist approach was the smarter path to walk and she hasn't necessarily walked it. And so that's yeah. actually very fair to bring up. Yeah. I just, just seems like you're relearning the same lesson, mm -hmm. knowing that in modern times, your place in this world is tenuous. Yeah. Yeah. So having public favor and opinion on your side is kind of advantageous mm. for your you know, success and livelihood and uh, ultimate survival. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. So what is your three, my man? Uh, my number three is the favorite. That's my number three. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, enjoyed the living hell out of it in the theater. I have since seen it again. Three stellar performances. Oh yeah. Really good performances. I mean, like I'm not taking it away from like Nicholas Holt mm -hmm. and 
you know, other people in it, but it's really these three women and just how court intrigue and trying to rise in the favor of the queen and become the quote unquote favorite. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, man, Emily Blunt, Rachel Weiss, and, uh, uh, Coleman mm-hmm. all knock it out of the park. They're all amazing in this movie. Yeah. You got nothing? No, just thinking about what you're saying. I, I thought you were going to go, uh, keep going with the points. Um, oh. yeah, I loved, uh, Olivia Coleman in this movie. This is the thing that launched her to, launched her to the next level as an actress, of course, winning that Oscar, but also, and like people know her now, you know, and mm-hmm. she's been in a number of British shows and films in the past as kind of ensemble or close to the lead and occasionally lead. Mm-hmm. And she's so good. Um, then this is also kind of pe- reminding people that Rachel Weiss is still a damn powerhouse of an actress as well. And of course, Emma Stone establishing even further how great she's become as an actress. And what an interesting thing to think about the girl from Superbad is in this, you know, period piece, uh, that had all this, uh, Oscar acclaim uh, surrounding it. And it's a great, um, exploration of three different women and their points of views of the situation of power and how they react to it and how they um, work around each other and, and um, trick each other and maneuver and all of that. And that final scene with the bunnies and the neck and all of that, you're just like, Jesus Christ, it's a brutal ending that you're just kind of going, all of this just to end up here. It's just, you know, kind of, and which more is than I, likely. Yeah. Good. So more well, like this carousel is going to, Spin back around again. Yeah. Yeah. Down the and, road. Yeah. 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 And then that we're going to be going through this again. If we were yeah. to revisit these characters in 10 years. Right. It's like, well, your time is nigh. You know, <laughs> I just love the, that closing where she with the bunny rabbits. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It is a gorgeous view into who that character actually is. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the artifice that she puts on for the queen and for others. Right. Right. And just, it, uh, it, it takes, cause initially you kind of siding with her, you know? Yeah. Right. And to see that pivot and she's just this manipulative power hungry person that is struggling to c- climb to the top of the court in favor of the queen. Right. Uh, yeah. And then Rachel Vice's demise. Well, as you said, it's the indictment. Like you said, with the pirates movie, it's, a, you know, talking about it, it's a, it's a, uh, conversation about movies and and what have you same thing here like this is a conversation about how much are you willing to sacrifice to climb that ladder to be near success and how much of yourself are you going to give away and what kind of person are you to want that you know and so all of that is explored in here and yeah just when you achieve what you think is the place you want to be at the humiliation of it all once you get there is almost too much to bear but that's the truth whether it's in a fucking court a british court or if it's in a business or if it's in anything the fact that you're going to have to depend on one person's favor in order mm-hmm. to remain in a position that you're in you know yeah and that constant balancing you're walking on eggshells yeah because it's constantly being questioned. it's constantly being questioned oh and other people are trying to yeah take you it. know usurp, usurp you and take that position so the balance in the political nature of having to calculate because Rachel Weiss overstepped it. Yes. Right. And that was ultimately her downfall of trying to manipulate 
you know, uh, political events yeah. because this is what the queen wants because the queen is suffering from gout and everything else. And she just doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually the queen is like, no, that's not what I, you know, and boom, that's how quickly yeah. you go from favorite who has a tremendous amount of power to being cast aside. Someone new is brought in. And even after that, you can tell the queen knows that she'll be displacing yeah. Emma eventually. Yep. Um, Matthew Simmons brings up an excellent point. The favorite is incredible. How on earth did that screenplay lose to Green Book? <laughs> for a, uh, for only one fucking reason, man. You know, for only one fucking reason. That Green Book healed racism in this country. <laughs> it this year. That's why it wins, man. We're better people now because Green Book exists. Totally. Totally. It worked, guys. It worked. Um. Okay. <laughs> What's your number two? Uh, my two is the King speech. That's my two. Interesting. Interesting. So you got All that right. as your one, and you don't have my number one, then. If, uh, maybe, if you think I've got it at my one. I, I'm pretty sure. All right. Let's, that's my let's guess. Show. Do I get a prize if I'm right? Because that's uh, my Absolutely. Guess. Whatever prize you would like. Perfect. You. Hand okay. job. That's what I want. <laughs> no! What? Full no. eye contact. Full eye contact. You do not break. Speaking of the favorite. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, um, what can we say about it? We've talked about the King's speech. Yeah. 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 Huge fan. I, I, to see the evolution of the character and to go from this, someone who lacks all confidence. Yeah. And the stammer is oh. overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see the backstory on that and how it developed. And I mean, the, when he listens to the phonograph after having visited the doctor the first time and he could mm-hmm. hear it once he tuned himself out yeah. he had no problem when he wasn't thinking about what he was having to say he could speak fluently eloquently and with confidence uh and just to hear that yeah. was i don't know just sucked me right into the movie and then them going through to that final speech where they've worked on it prepared and practiced and him walking in and everybody is cautiously optimistic and then him walking out and uh, uh, Spall as yeah. Churchill is like, I always knew you could. <laughs> and him was like, before, I think it was, maybe it was right before, I think it might've been right after. And he's like, you know, I had a stammer. Was that a was child. before. It was <laughs> right before. Yeah. Trying yeah. to build up his confidence. I had a bit of a stammer yeah. in my youth. <laughs> Which I love him. Not yeah. sure that was the best casting for Churchill. Well. Uh, I mean, we had a Churchillian uh, representation that won an Oscar, what, two years after this? Yeah, yeah. Three years after this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love Spall. He's fantastic. He is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love it. Uh, I love it for all those reasons. And I'm, I just started watching. Well, we started the first episode of The Staircase on HBO Max mm, okay. last night. But then I was like, we should watch the documentary because the documentary is going to give us much more of the background, all these characters and having a f- fictional interpretation of the, well, not fictional, but whatever, based on a dramatization, I guess, based on true stories. I would rather watch the entire documentary than watch the series and see how, how they've manipulated certain things or changed certain things to fit within how they're telling the story dramatically. So, mm-hmm. um, so we we watched three episodes of the documentary last night. So good. So, but Colin Farrell, I'm sorry, Colin Firth with his American accent. Already, I'm like, I'm in. This is going to be great to see. Him okay. 
because I've rarely seen him do American accent. So I'm curious to see what he's going to do with it. But so great in King's Speech. And Jeffrey Rush and Lena Bonham Carter, always, all three of them, so good. Um, all right, so what's your number one, Matt? Uh, my number one is Braveheart. Yeah, I don't have your number one. Okay. Wow, that's shocking. And you don't I have Braveheart. I thought about Braveheart, and that's actually a great fucking point. Come on, Longshanks. Yeah, no, you're right. Longshanks. Mm, where do I put Braveheart on this fucking list? I guess. with Scotland. <laughs> Everything moves down. I, I got to put it at number two. I'll put it at number two. King Ralph, there. You got your wish. King Ralph is off. My I wish nothing of the sort. I hate that movie. Um, but yeah, I hadn't even thought about Braveheart because. I hate that movie almost as much as I hate Helen Mirren, you know? <laughs> Made nine and ten of my list. Um, all right, Braveheart, go ahead, man. Come on, it's a, it is a fantastic movie. Is it historically accurate? No. Sorry, Dan, keep it. Do I yes. care in the slightest? No. No. Not at all. I knew nothing of the character beforehand. Yeah, right. Nothing. So it's not like I went in with preconceived notions as to, okay, well, they need to hit the beats here, here, and here, and this needs to happen, and the relationship between these two characters is this. Like, I had nothing. Yeah. I didn't know who Robert the Bruce was. I had never heard of Longshanks. Yeah. So yeah. All of this was newfound territory to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and afterwards, finding out, it, it, you know, that it's not accurate in a tremendous number of ways does not uh, depreciate my enjoyment of the movie. Right, right. Imagine if you had YouTube back then and you were like the only person, the only reviewer that was just like, this is not an accurate portrayal of William Wallace at all. This is not what happened, blah, blah, blah. People would just shout you down because it's just it, no one would listen. Because yeah, you're right. Nobody, nobody outside of Scotland probably, and maybe a little bit of England, knew who this fucking guy was. Yeah, and I would say even that there's, I who knows how much of a fabled character he was. In Scotland? Right, exactly. I don't have the slightest clue. I've seen a few documentaries that talk about like how much of the stuff that is out there is actually true or false, and so for whatever they might say about the. You can say stuff about historical accurate about the paint, about the the kilts or whatever, mm-hmm. but the true story about him, a lot of it has been, as you said, fabulized. So it's tough to kind of pick out what is actually true and what isn't. Yeah, Dickaline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's in my opinion a flawless movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, to me, it's I love it. I could watch it right now if you want to throw wow. it on. Zero it, problem. It, you have that kind of love for it, huh? Yeah. Okay. We can have it on the background when I'm getting this handy. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Because mm-hmm. what's your number one, my friend? Henry V. Yeah. Hand <laughs> job, baby. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, man. No, I thought you thought that Shakespeare in Love was going to be me. No, no, no. I told you it was from a certain Thor director. Yeah, yeah. I said that enough. earlier in the show. I excluded it, uh, Shakespeare in Love, because I just felt like it wasn't 100% about royalty. It was about him. Even though Judy Dench and Elizabeth is in it, I just didn't want it. But, yeah, this is just such a great movie. I mean, it's number – you talk about a film you could put on – I could put on Henry V right now and just enjoy the shit out of it. And I will rue – my rue the day that I didn't get to say that to Kenneth Branagh because I was at the Hollywood Critics Association uh, uh, awards and I presented an award and he was there 
and I and they had just done a whole like you know um, montage uh, celebrating all his movies. And I walked out there and I, you know, kind of said, it's so great to see so many Latino actors and actresses being celebrated here tonight, which was great. And I had the temptation to say, and I also want to personally say to Kenneth Branagh, uh, thank you for, you know, all you've done. Henry V changed my life and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't get a chance to say that from the stage. And I should have, and because I didn't want to be rude and take, make it all about me, you know, I get yeah. kind of yeah, weird about that shit. So yeah, yeah. And whereas other people might have done it, I felt like it would have been out of place to do it. And I hope one day I do get to meet him in a junket or something or randomly and, and get a chance to say that to him. So we'll see. But yeah, this film, just so good. Um, one of the best, if not the best Shakespeare interpretations ever. Um, and great performance from a young Brana who, and directing himself at 24, 25 years old is incredible. Um, so when this came out, this kind of changed everything about the possibility of Shakespeare, modern Shakespeare interpretations. I don't think we, we, we don't have, the films, because this guy came out in 89. And so we don't even have Richard. I mean, Richard III, which comes out in 94, like we said, or 92. Mm-hmm. And all these other modern interpretations. This was a film that, although it wasn't modern, it had a modern approach to it um, that really worked for a lot of people and showed that there was Shakespeare possibilities. Uh, and Shakespeare in Love coming out in 97 and winning Best Picture. So, or 98, I think it was, and winning Best Picture. So there you go. Uh, Hesso, Hesso says, "Is watching a handy happen a boss hog level thing, or is there a top?" <laughs> I think it's a boss hog. I think it's definitely a boss hog. Yep, yep added perk. Right. Actually, let's a... just yeah, we'll, we'll bump it down. We'll do it like the twenty dollar and above level. No, it was weeds. I'm not bumping it down. I think so. Well, you I'm know, it could be good up. for viewership. What instead of just doing shout outs, we'll just do handies. We'll just do a handy, and I can read the list as I'm getting the handy. There we go. Big shout out to Hasso. That's the spot. There it is. <laughs> Juicy. All right, there we go. That's our top ten uh, films dealing with British royalty. We're gonna put this list together, get our official top ten list. Uh, I moved Braveheart to number two, so just to let you know. So I imagine that means Braveheart is number one. Yeah, I, th- I think it goes Braveheart, King's Speech, the favorite. Okay. Sounds good. That's your two, three, four. That's my one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And then um, the king. That's Actually, my six. That's your five. That's We're my elevated. six. We're elevated. I'd like to put Henry V in the top in the top that's five. Fine. So I'd like to put it next. Then we can put the king. Two Henry V things back to back. It's kind of cool. No, no Spencer Matthew Simmons. That just ah, didn't work for me. I, I tried, man. It is too put upon, and once you've seen Emma Corrin in The Crown, it's really tough to see Kristen Stewart with her emo approach to Diana working. I just, I didn't like it, and and you know, it's my two cents on it. I don't know if Matt saw it, but I just didn't like it. So we have, I yeah, I don't like Kristen Stewart. Okay, fair enough. I just think that basically, she can play Kristen Stewart. (laughs) That's. You know, there are certain, you know, actors that mm-hmm. really feel like you can only do one thing here. Yeah. Uh, Who is Amber Heard playing on the stand? I just want to know. I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> Someone who's pretending to have a soul. That's who she's. Stepped on a beat. Um, Shits in a man's bed. Yeah. Like, what is that? Or the stopping. Everybody was doing the breakdown of her 
stopping when the cameras yeah. were allowed to take pictures to let's make sure we get this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's Whether getting it's... destroyed, dude. She's getting destroyed. I, I think rightly so. By everything yeah. that keeps coming yeah. out, it's like it doesn't yeah. seem like, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think we should wade into these waters because we weren't there. That's true. We weren't. And we're not We're not making it. We're just speaking of like what we're witnessing happening. That's yeah. What, we're saying. Yeah, yeah. what I've seen nonstop on Twitter for the yeah. past three weeks really leads me to believe that she's a monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't seen much to alter that opinion. Right. And, and okay, so she's losing out. All right, where are we at? All right. That's one through five done. Okay. Um, so we have six through ten. Okay. We have the queen, which is what, your four? Yeah, my five. Five. Queen is my five. 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 Okay, that's fine. Do the queen next. Okay. And uh, we don't have anything else in common. No, we don't. So where are we at? What's your I have next my number time? four. Okay, good. I don't Man, think I, I have, have anything until my seven, so. Okay. Okay, and you're, what's your seven? Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth versus Robin Hood. Oh, my God. Really? It's, yep. you know, one's a better film by Miles. Wait. Breaking out. I know, and Costner was amazing in that film. <laughs> was he? What? Yeah. Hello, Mary Elizabeth. I'm from Southern California. Uh, good, yeah. It's great. Did you know that about Robin Hood? I didn't before that movie. No. All right, flipping the coin. Come on, Lizzie. Goes across the damn room. I mean, you're wearing a Batman shirt. It seems like it's it's weighted. Oh, Robin Hood, it is. Is that the ten? Uh, no, Elizabeth is the ten. Oh, okay. At least it got on the list. All right, let's do this thing. The top 10 movies that deal with British royalty. Yeah. At number 10. Elizabeth. At number 9. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. At number 8. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. At number 7. The Pirates, Band of Misfits. At number 6. The Queen. At number 5. The King. At number 4. Henry V. At number three, the favorite. At number two, the King's Speech. And our number one movie that deals with British royalty is is Braveheart. Yeah, the trouble with Scotland is it's full of Scots. There you go. Nice stuff. Nice stuff. Good list, Matt. Some films we have not talked about ever. I think in the history of yeah top ten show that was fun. Yeah, uh, at least two or three. Yeah. King, uh, you know, King Ralph, Madness of King George. Yeah. Young Victoria. Young Victoria. Yeah. Uh, Knight's Tale, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, we might have talked about that every once maybe. in a while. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us here for this uh, list. Thank you to those of us who joined us live today. Matthew Hasso, James Petty, Matthew Simmons. We've got eight of you watching us right now live uh hit a like on this video right now if you're watching it and then later on when you guys watch it hit a like on this video as well and share it on your social media tell people to that the top 10 has their youtube channel we do our shows and drop them on there in case you don't want to listen to us you want to see our pretty faces as well they can do this here on the youtube channel uh matt anything and what, what do we have to tell them matt what do we have to tell them? Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at, at top 10 show, all spelled out and on Instagram and YouTube, it is forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So please hit us up over there and you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. 
Uh, we brought up Settle the Score earlier. If you'd like another movie trivia show based around soundtracks and scores, uh, check out uh, Settle the Score or NBA Action. You can uh, listen to me ramble about basketball on Dropping Dimes. And that is it for me this week. There you go. Uh, as for me, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says. And uh, also my other podcast, the Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies, we are going, yeah, you know, so all those are available there for you all to watch and to listen to as well. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top Ten. Ooh.